I'm Bobby. I am Nathan. And this, this could be a podcast. Stuck. You know, beatboxing for me is, uh, it's one of those skills that I've never really fully harnessed in my life. Gotcha. And that's a real shame. I mean, okay, here's the Is it though? If right now, if I could, I've always thought about this. Um, If I could be granted a wish, like granted, if right now, without having boxing, no, okay, without having like a weird segue to make, without having any like, uh, like the amount of effort that it takes, I would love to learn, like without having to put in effort, I'd love to learn how to play the piano. Okay, I'd love to learn how to skateboard. Okay, and I'd love to learn Latin. But you said one wish. Well, I'm saying like that's like if I could learn do those three things. That your if, one if, wish would be if you could learn if Latin, you can, if play you could piano, learn, and If you could learn three things right now without having to put any effort into it. Like whatsoever. Matrix style download. Mm-hmm. Those were my three things. Probably not skateboarding now just because I, I When were you when you developed that list? I think I was in high school. I think the idea of like just something about the balance and uh, – mm-hmm. I think I could make that translate well into other things. Same thing with piano. I always, if I learned how to play piano mm. and understand the piano and reading music, I could translate that into a lot of different things, much yeah, like Latin. Can. Like same thing with Latin. I'd love to be able to tran- take those things and translate it into yeah. other other things. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting thing. I, I mean, I, uh, piano. They always start you off in piano yeah. because it does it does translate to all instruments really it's mainly the best way to learn how to read music exactly and, and i've never learned how to read music yeah i, I got close I, I mean again I've been, i got real close i, I got did. this close to <laughs> learning how to read music no i mean well you're feeling like it's like riding a bike where you know if i took the training wheels off and i'm riding the bike but it's really wobbly going down sure, the street sure you know i didn't fall and crash and like hurt myself but i probably like you know had to ditch the bike at some point <laughs> right. that's that's me reading music you know oh and now yeah, sure and now it's full training wheels going through. and. Uh, Are you marking your chords and stuff? Is that what you're doing? If I have to. I've played in a few musicals where I've had to like go through and just tab, tab everything out, basically. Like, yeah. Again, I can read music. I can't sight read music, which, again, is a distinction. Between, it's a real big distinction. Yeah. So the people that can sit down and just put something in front of them and then just start playing, that's beyond me. Right. Uh, and that's what I'd love to be able to do. Yeah. And like, that's a wonderful thing. But I know that I'll sure. never have the... like full-on determination to actually see that through Mm -hmm. i understand that like Mm -hmm. i mean i played percussion in high school i played you know some uh drums a little bit in college uh you know i was in choir through college never learned how to read music whatsoever Mm -hmm. and it's just like meh I don't yeah. know. Well, it's, I can see the mu- I see the notes go up and down, and that's about it. Yeah, that's that goes back to our conversations about like musicianship <laughs> and everything, and yeah. like the levels of. I mean, because it's evolved even more. I mean, there was a time when if you couldn't read music and you were playing in a band or anything like that, like you weren't nearly oh. as good as the people that could sit down and play charts and do all this stuff. I mean, we're talking like late twenties, thirties, jazz, and everything. Like oh that. yeah, you know where these. Like the blues, the blues was considered, you know, a lesser music than than jazz because they didn't, they couldn't sight read. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're just sitting there playing turnarounds all day long, so it doesn't really matter. Don't get me started on how boring the jazz or boring uh, blues can be, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, that was back, you know, way back when, a hundred years ago. 
So you're looking at people just listening to music, musicians looking at other musicians differently. Mm-hmm. And now we're listening to, you know, people that are just YouTube stars that um, have all the backbeats created and everything like that already uh, in the garage band. Yeah. But anyway, we've That's, talked about that. Before. I know. I know. It's interesting. It's, I, I think it's an interesting, I think everybody thinks that they're living in the wild west. I think everybody thinks that every generation, that's every ever lived. generation thinks they're living in the wild west, like, or, or the generation before them was the wild west. I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, listening to Rob Lowe talking about fame in the early eighties on Joe Rogan's podcast is just like, Oh, that's just the wild west. But that's okay. So we have talked about this before. I haven't listened to that interview yet, but yeah. I can, surmise that his what his experience was was the experience that i when i talked about like if i can go back to the sure. 80s and the heyday it, and then just be able to get away with whatever the fuck it was it was um yeah i mean if there's a way that you could time travel and be some kind of startlets like in the 80s in, in some kind of startlet uh, uh, entourage in the 80s as a vacation that's something there's no cell phones there's no way to track you there's no way to catch you doing anything even if they do catch you vince neal killed a guy vince neal killed a guy okay still out and never went to jail (laughs) i don't think he ever went to jail Uh, yeah that's a whole like list of things of like celebrities who actually murdered people Mm -hmm. who was it it wasn't alicia it was brandy right oh uh, did brandy hit somebody with her car brandy like rear-ended somebody and they died I think. Did the lady that Caitlyn Jenner hit, uh, did she end up dying? I think so. I mean, so celebrities killing people. And that's manslaughter. Speaking of manslaughter. It is manslaughter, yes. <laughs> you know, rewatched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again. In that, Better rewatch. The, oh, my gosh. It's so good. I don't, like, it's just. It's a slow burn. <laughs> it's. I've heard Bill Burr talk about it. Like, because I think he, he said he's probably seen it. Seven times or something like that. He's Whoa. Very in love with the movie. Whoa. But how he talks about the rewatch the second time watching it. Yeah. Appreciate it much more. I mean, they made me want to rewatch it again. I haven't done it yet, but. I mean, here's the deal. What it really it is, it's like seven short films. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really what it is. Uh, it's like the weird, like, intro with Pacino and uh, with Pacino at uh, what's the, what's the, What's the famous restaurant they went to with the caricatures? Anyhow. Uh, Madame Tussaud. Yeah. And, um, you know, and they had doing a little bit of a, a callback to earlier films and earlier things that yeah. he's done. A you different know. different life that he's led. So, like, that that's its own film. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, like, uh, Brad Pitt's Excursion Out to the Ranch. That's its own film. Mm-hmm. Quentin... Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio on set of Lancer. Yeah. That's its own film. Um, and then the, the then the final one is, you know, the, right. the big the big fight scene. Well and, and then interspersed it are these little bits with Margot Robbie, uh it just sprinkled in between. Yeah. It's it's very interesting. they're more it's more like sm- sm- like short films like put together and maybe that's just how Tarantino is and I'd have to like reflect on I mean if, if I'm doing a quick reflection on it I mean that's what a lot of his movies are it's kind of little things that 
almost little vignettes that are tied together throughout and then I mean created. pulp fiction certainly is that's exactly uh, what it is. I like, don't re- know Reservoir Dogs to an extent that's more of like a he does this the the one room shot a lot. Uh, mm. The Hateful Eight was one of those one Here's room the deal. When but I watch The great. Hateful Eight I'm like this is a stage play. Mm-hmm. That's what the, I mean the Hateful Eight is but just it still a straight has, up stage play. But it still has that vignette feel to it though where even sure. though it's one location cuz it's it's easy to you know Take Brad Pitt out to Charlie Manson's, uh, you know, compound, yeah. and have that tonally be different than everything else you've seen, sure. you know, or all the different other things that they did. Like obviously being on a like a Western set, you know, in yeah. the middle of Hollywood, yada yada yada. But to do that within one, um, like one stage setting, is a really difficult thing to do, right? And again, he's always been a, a master of withholding information. That right. is very pertinent to the story as it plays out in the whole. So you, you, you don't have all the information right away, and it's never given to you chronologically, which I, <laughs> as I've always enjoyed. Right. I mean, yeah. that's really. I remember the first time I watched it, like the fight scene between Bruce Lee. That's where the manslaughter comes in, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, like it took. Like, is this some kind of daydream? Like, it took me a second to realize it's mm-hmm. actual an actual flashback and not some kind of weird daydream. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, same, yeah, same thing with, uh, like Brad Pitt's scene on the boat with his wife. And she's like, Oh, is this, a, is this like, I mean, is this reality? I don't know. Yeah. Well, and how he's playing with, uh, historical narratives too. That's something, I mean, I enjoyed Inglorious Bastards a lot. Uh, I yeah. think there's more people that enjoyed it more than I did. Um, but I, I did think one of the, the good things about that movie was the uh, uh, just the re the revisioning the reviving of history. It's just yeah, where you're no Hitler, uh, he was beaten to death. That's what happened, you know. Or you know. Oh yeah, no. Or was he just shotgun to the or face? Was he, I don't remember. It was something with the the burning. It was br- it was brutal. That's yeah. all that matters. But and I think more people got caught up with like uh, let's kill some Nazis and all that stuff. Like just yeah. the little catchphrases that he had. And just something about the phrase Jew bear. Like mm-hmm. I love like that as a concept, uh, not so much Eli Roth, but mm-hmm. you know, this is like, and it was a big, it was, that was a lovely little scene. Um, yeah, but it's, it's his way of telling a story. I've, I've, I put a lot of money actually on him. Uh, I mean a lot of money. I put like 20 bucks on him winning best director. Cause I was oh, like, yeah. I was like, this is the year, you know, that we've talked about it before on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Kind of like, where you, the, it was you know, you put year. your time in, maybe you've gotten passed up oh, a couple times and then yeah. maybe you're, you're not blockbuster uh, feature or you're like, uh, your best performance sure. doesn't get recognized, sure. but the, the you kind of get one for time served and everything. And, <laughs> and then Parasite just sweeped everything. And Oh, what are you ta- you're talking about, I thought you were talking about uh, Inglorious Bastards. No, Once Upon a Time. No, Once Sorry. Upon a Time, yeah. I thought Once Upon a Time was his like. Oh, okay. This is the kind we're gonna we're gonna give this to him for everything else, right? I mean, I mean that was I mean that's pretty common. I mean Scorsese and that's, that's um, what I'm saying. It's a common. Who else was the other Denzel? Denzel. I mean, Kevin really? Costner. Training Day, <laughs> Costner, Costner. Not so much. It seemed like as a betting man when <laughs> yeah. I'm looking through, and again, that was the only time I've ever bet on Listen, an award he's, ceremony. He's got a hell. I mean, he had a hell of a. He's got a hell of a streak. I mean, really, a hell of a streak to not have an Academy Award. I mean, honestly, for, I mean. Uh, what what's your least favorite Tarantino movie? My least favorite Tarantino directed movie? Yeah. God, that's hard. I mean, 
it's going to sound bad, but maybe it's Inglorious Bastards just because I, I'm not a, sure. I, and it's not that I don't like it. That's, I mean, I thought the Hateful Eight was good. I re- I really enjoyed Django. Django, um, I, I I think a lot of people don't understand what Django represents. Like, um, the plight of the black man is that what you're trying to say? Well, more. Uh, you're that's again I don't him playing racial diversity. No, no, no. That's him playing. That's him playing with the narrative of history and everything like that. Oh yeah, of course. I think yeah. him playing. I think one of the great things about Django is his play with blood and violence and gore. There's, yeah. There's outrageous gore in Django, unlike a lot of his other movies. I know what there's. What are you gore. talking about? I, I mean, know there's gore. I know think it's all outrageous. I mean, no, that's no, no, just no. Him. There's some very. There's some very like, uh, uh, like when Leonardo DiCaprio is shot with that little bullet by Christoph Waltz, and then uh. there's just a little trickle of blood. I've heard. I've heard an interview where he's talking about it because he was defending all the, the gore and everything with that. So. Oh yeah. He's like oh. that one. Like there's different there's different ways to have violence in a movie. There's just outrageous violence, yeah. and then there's really poignant violence that like um, is pushing the story forward. And right. the way for Leonardo DiCaprio's character to die in that manner with yeah. a little bullet a little. and a little trickle of blood yeah. was I thought more powerful than him getting his head blown off and then just you know, right. splattered all sure. over the place. I you know I've so, never thought about that, but yeah, I believe that I'm mm-hmm. on board. And then the outrageous gore of the um, the the fight scene in the mansion after Leonardo DiCaprio has been killed. Oh my god! Um, and yeah. then just the blood, like the, the ridiculous blood everywhere. It's it's over absurd. the top, almost trying to make up for all the anger. And, uh, it's interesting. I mean, all I mean, those are levels that you're you're again. So some, can someone watch that and just want to watch people get blown up? Yes. Yes. Was I in a movie theater that liked the N word getting thrown around way too much? Absolutely. Not the first time I watched it. Was it Knoxville? No, I was up in Wisconsin and it was getting different laughs, which again, uh, the other thing, like we first saw it on opening night, Christmas day. We, uh, oh, my yeah. wife and I went, we were probably like one of six people in the theater <laughs> and just fell in love. I mean, the first 15 minutes of that movie, I think is my first 15 minutes just of like any movie. Just big, gorgeous. I mean, just right. Where he walks in and they, uh, he asks for the sheriff and he sits down oh. and he gets a beer and he, Kill. What movie are you talking about? Django. Oh, J- okay. That well, the first okay. The first fifteen minutes of that movie. After that, I'm like, I am so happy. This is a three hour movie. Oh my god, <laughs> I cannot wait for the rest of this movie. Yeah. And we had a great time. Fast forward a couple months, I'm up visiting a buddy of mine in some place in Wisconsin. I don't want to <laughs> uh, name them and everything, but I'm visiting him, and we're like, guys, we should go see this movie. It was really good. It was really good. This time, pack theater, <laughs> and. All the times the N words thrown out before when there was no laughs because again it's it's six people it's used in a it's used in a lot of different ways yeah but again they were laughing at it in uh, a way it was like I don't think that's meant to be comedy like I think you're <laughs> laughing at it just because it's being said yeah you know much more of an adolescent uh, viewing of the movie sure so I wonder how much that happened throughout the country. Like how many people watched that movie and didn't get it and were watching it right. for different reasons. Right. Then I think we're intended. I do think Django has one of the funniest scenes of like ten year a ten year span of yeah. you know, the Don Knotts yeah. uh hood yeah. S you know, you know, debacle. But that's clearly meant to be funny. Right. You know? Right. And there's there were times and I just remember it was a weird it was a weird social engagement or interaction with vibe. people. I'm sure. Where I'm like, wow, 
that that was not the pl- or the you guys are reaction. totally laughing at the n-word which yeah. is weird mm-hmm. i don't know so that's a thing where um again the interpretation of a movie or whatever you thought sure i'd imagine it'd be much similar to like a a director watching like a live um stage version of their yeah. of their stuff and seeing how the audience reacts Seeing how a stand-up comedy uh, comedian reacts to the sure, material, sure, um, being processed and everything like that. Yeah, I made the mistake of taking my wife to the Hateful Eight. Which oh yeah, I'm like, oh, hey, I really, I do. I'm gonna, you know, I kind of want to go watch this. And she's like, I would also like to watch this. I'm like, I don't know if this is something. You, are you sure? Yeah, it's gonna be gory and it's gonna be violent and it's not gonna be very nice. And she's mm-hmm. like. I will go watch this. Yep. And I think I was just like, I kind of just want to be with you at the second. And I'm like, okay. And there's a real like horrific scene. Uh, I mean, of like just disembowelment at the end. Yeah. And she's like, I cannot believe that this is a thing that people watch. I cannot. I'm like, I'm like, I loved this. I mean that, I think that was the, like uh, the best like film ad- adaptation of a stage play I've ever seen. This mm-hmm. is, I mean, that's, I mean, I, I really liked it. it but I immediately, going, and I immediately started like, how would I break this into scenes and condense, you know, what would I condense to make this an actual stage play, this and that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. But again, how people process someone like Quentin Tantino's work. That's yeah. the thing about it. He's so polarizing, which maybe goes back to the reason why he's never won like best director for anything when clearly he's been a phenomenal director in a lot of different Absolutely things. Absolutely excellent. Um, he's a tremendous writer. Um, and I think he makes probably the m- most creative movies you know, year in and year out. I yeah. put Christopher Nolan does a great job, obviously as well. But I, I, I um, you want to think? I said that Christopher Nolan's like the most. He is the best director working today. Mm-hmm. Um, and Quentin Tarantino. I mean, he is like. I think he might be taking a little bit more uh, risk than Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Well, uh, and it's weird what Tarantino chooses to do, though. It's like he's choosing to, again. Revise history, okay. Yeah. Um, just act, live in gore in in certain ways. Sure. Um, live in the, um, I, I mean, it's it's dark comedy in many ways. Yes. But, yeah. Um, I laugh all the time. Well, and I go back to um, we've been rewatching The Sopranos, and I and we came upon it on a list of like the best dark comedies you know of all time and everything like that, and it was it came up and it's it hit me weird. I was like, oh, Sopranos, a dark comedy. I mean, yeah. maybe. And I'm like, well, no, yeah, let's give it a shot again. Let's watch it again. Sure. And watching it, watching it with that lens in it, there, it's, it's absolutely a dark I comedy. I bet there's some of that in there. It's, but it's, uh, it's something where, you know, I think Tarantino is a little more overt with his comedy. Like oh, with no. It, with his oh, dark yeah. comedy. But, oh, yeah. Um, it's dark comedy is not for everybody. Um, you know, Christopher Nolan versus Tarantino. Nolan probably makes movies that are for everybody more so he, than Tarantino. Yeah, I, they're a little bit they're 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 a little heady for mm-hmm. some folk, um, which I don't think so. I think they're you know pretty straight lace. I mean, both Tarantino and, no, and Nolan. Oh no 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 Nolan. I yeah. think you know yeah I think he does you know not a subversive you know really well. I mean it's an I mean he makes action movies that are you know, a little, have a little bit more thought put in them. Well, an, and an action movie is tough to make and hold up. We, we found out right? through time. Sure. Cause we just rewatched, we watched point break. We yeah. watched point break yesterday, but like that movie was not meant to be as campy as it, as it's 
held up to it's be. It's like nobody really understood Busey. Well, <laughs> or did Busey Keanu, ever really understand Busey? Busey ever understand Busey? <laughs> and what was Keanu? I mean, Keanu was still. I don't like. How did he get that role? How and, did he get... I, and I don't like having watched the Rob Lowe. What was the the Wild Ones? Mm-hmm. Is this a movie you're familiar with? Or was I'm it not. the Young Bloods? Young, I'm sorry, the Young Bloods. That's yeah, it. The hockey movie. Yeah, like Rob Lowe says, and he said it in a joking manner. I'm not sure if he actually meant. It. He like I. He's like I literally thought they just found a really good Canadian goalie that could kind of act mm-hmm. and just kind of like and was really surprised how good right. um, the actor this Canadian goalie was. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was I'm like oh how I mean how long has Keanu been around? I mean. My first, like, real grasp of Keanu, I guess, was Bill and Ted, but that was not a movie that. But that was, I mean, I mean, that and was, and that first. was that was eighty, that was eighty nine. I want to say that's why I want to say that um, Point Break was like Keanu Reeves' first um, serious movie. Sure, and it was, sure. or like one of the first serious leading role movies. And again, for its time. Okay, let's let's. Oh, really? You got two Matrix movies in your. In your oh, oh yeah, we always like to look at the known for. Known for Matrix, Matrix Speed, Point Speed, Break, Point Break, and the Matrix Reloaded. Come on, that's good. Come on, you want the a, you want the. Give uh, me one more. <laughs> give me something else. What was that of, shitty uh, Sandra Bullock? Uh, the Boathouse. The Boathouse. <laughs> no? no. You want that up there? That's a movie I've never seen, but it's about time travel, and I should probably watch it. Uh, oh my gosh! Oh, he was in Babes in Toyland. Who knew? So Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure in '89. Yep. So we can agree, though, that's probably you know first starring role. Yeah. He was in My Own Private Idaho. And then, oh my yeah, also, gosh! He was the voice of Ted Logan in the Fox Television sure. uh, animated show. What else was he doing? Bill and Ted's. You got to keep doing it. So yeah. So Point Break was his first like serious role. Sure. It was made in a serious manner. And yes. for the time, I would say give it probably a five to ten year window at most. Right. Five to ten year window where people watch that movie and it's like, this is a great action thriller, you know. Right. I mean, even like, okay, even between, so 91 uh, with Point Break to Speed with 94, mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't do... I mean, he did much ado about nothing. Like, he was in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, yeah, Bram Stoker's. Who directed Bram Stoker's Dracula? Was that? Was um, that? We know his name. Uh, who was that? Francis, Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola. Remember when Francis Ford Coppola is like? I you remember know what? someone here. I want to tackle Dracula. It's this white whale everyone's been chasing. Can you imagine being? Yeah, so he did Dracula, and I think so. I want to say much ado about nothing is Kenneth Branagh. Uh, I want to say that was Kenneth Branagh's adaptation of yep. the Shakespeare classic. Correct. Um, yeah, so Point Break, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the sequel, My Own Private Idaho, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Freaked, which I don't know what that is. He's uncredited. Oh, you know what? Freaked is. Uh, go ahead. And you can go ahead and click on that. That is, uh, who is, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bill from Bill and Ted. I, this is a weird movie that never went anywhere. Oh, there's Alex Winter, uh, is the guy's name. 
like he made it it was a super weird movie i only know a bit about it because the red letter media reviewed it mr t's in it apparently and a cow with a hat on it's about like using like mutated things okay even cowgirls get the blues little buddha and then speed he had a weird that was a weird three-year stretch for keanu well he seemed to do this thing where he'd make a blockbuster try to follow it up with something else like johnny johnny mnemonic and then uh walk in the clouds chain reaction feeling minnesota the last time i committed suicide not familiar with that devil's Devil's Advocate. advocate what is your take on devil's advocate been a long time been a long time there is um it um i don't know like th- that was as far as like movies about i mean starring al pacino that's one that and the devil that was uh what's your favorite al pacino in the devil movie maybe what was serpico the, serpico <laughs> how much time was in between devil's advocate and end of days starring uh starring schwarzenegger and gabriel Byrne? i don't remember was that ninety nine? I think that might have been ninety nine. Yeah, but anyway, then you go Devil's Advocate into the Matrix, and that he was the perfect Neo. He was the perfect person. Um, Can you imagine Will Smith as Neo? I couldn't. Oh yeah, sure. I don't think it's the same movie. Sure, I don't. Think I mean, it's, it's not going to be the same movie. Of course not. It's a different actor, a different. A lot less. Whoa. But wouldn't that be the reaction though? I think Will Smith would be much more. All right, I got this. Much more than whoa. Just and too I think much the, confidence. Yeah, like he was in uh, Men in Black. Men in Black. Yeah, it's a really similar parallel we're trying to make here between The Matrix and Men in Black. Yeah. When he's exposed everything, it takes him what probably like fifteen minutes within the movie to accept the fact that there's aliens that. Operate. He took a sunset. He, I mean, he, he took, took a, a sunset to sunrise. Yeah, we're talking 15 minutes of movie time. But Oh, not even that. It was like a slow mile. It was like a minute long. I'm going to take a night to think about this yeah, and be like, yeah, that. I can wrap my head around this. Let's do this. You know, I got this. But and I don't still, think you can do that with the But Matrix. he was still a hothead, you know. Well, yeah. He was a hothead. I don't think you can have two movies with Will Smith gra- uh, like tackling. Having, going into a world opening up before him. Right. <laughs> sure. I'm glad he passed on it. I think he made he made a right choice to pass on it. Yeah. I don't yeah. I mean he could make it work. I think he could. But that's just Would me. it it would have been a blockbuster? Sure, because anything Will Smith, you know, touches. Hold especially on. Especially that. No, time. go no, go back. I mean, what are we talking about? Ninety I said uh, at that point. Matrix in ninety pull up Will Smith's career. What did Will Smith put out in nineteen ninety nine? Well he didn't probably need to do anything. That might have been Wild Wild West territory. Uh, I think that's Wild Wild West territory. Hundred percent. But at the time, that was going to be a hit. I well, yeah. maybe Will Smith, Desperado. My favorite thing about like Wild Wild West is that the MTV Movie Rewards, when I Will Smith walked in on a horse, right, singing Wild Wild West at the MTV Movie Awards. Yeah, with uh, Stevie Wonder, and they had, they forgot him on stage. Uh yeah, he stepped the horse stepped on Christopher Nolan's foot. Oh yeah? Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. It's uh Is that where he got the idea for Inception? Um, I think so. He's like, <laughs> I need to be able to go what? to a dream to this a dream to a dream. I need to put like the idea in Will Smith said not to ride a horse. Right. <laughs> and he could have saved the world. <laughs> could stop nine eleven probably. Could have stopped nine eleven. That chain mm-hmm. reaction, you know, 
you want to talk about how Eurovision has led us to watch Little Big? Yeah. Uh, the, the chain of reaction. Yeah. Okay. So we will go to actor. No, no, no. I like how he's first listed in the music department. I like how Will Smith, when you bring him up, I he's bet, got five music department credits, I, rightfully deserved. I bet he is. Uh, that's something his uh, his agent said. Called up IMDb. Call, who owns IMDb these days? Is it Google? Probably. Not Google, or maybe it's Microsoft. It's something ridiculous. But he's first billed in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Wild Wild West in the music you, department. You might know Will Smith from the Fresh m- Prince of Bel-Air, Men in Black, I Am Legend, and Wild Wild West. I think he's got more credits and better credits than He's that. got 60. 60. So, 1999, what other Will Smith movies came out? Oh, he did Enemy, Enemy of the State. Almost... I wonder if Enemy of the State kind of scared him off a little bit of being. Mm. I don't want to get inside Will Smith's head, you know, and try to you don't want to get speak inside. for him. It's like I worked with uh, Bruckheimer and I'm kind of done. <laughs> you know, I love Gene Hackman in Enemy of the State. I think Enemy of the State kind of holds up. You want to talk? You ready, you ready for you ready for a star studded cast? Click on Enemy Legend of, of Bagger Vance. No. Enemy of the State has some of the most ridiculous. Go ahead and click on well, Enemy of the State. Do yourself a favor. Well, hold on. You do this. Enemy of the State has the most ridiculous cast ever. Will Smith, Gene Lisa Hedden, Bonet, John Voight, Lisa Bonet, Regina King, Stuart Wilson. Uh, don't know. Don't know. No. Don't. Barry Pepper, Jake Busey, just Scott Kahn. Jason Lee, Gabriel Byrne, Academy Awards. Uh, also not listed in this list right now. We'll go, it, we got Jack Black, uh, Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> um, Wait, Jack Black? No, Jack Black, Jamie Kennedy. Oh. Uh, I thought you were getting him mixed up with the no, Jack. no man. It's like it's insane. It's a ridiculous list. It's a <laughs> it's a decent list. <laughs> It's when ridiculous. You're, when your third and fourth are John Voight and Lisa Bonet, I'm not going to say it's a ridiculous list. Oh, I mean, John Voight. Come on. Gene I'm Hackman. I'm trying to find out why Will Smith passed up on The Matrix. Why did Will Smith pass up on The Matrix? Um, Probably. Because I noticed that Ali was in 2001. I'm wondering if he had to get into Ali's shape and it would take him. A Hold on. What was the year? 2001 was Ali. Okay. Okay. And he says, I would have ruined it. He's going straight to the Wild Wild West instead of the Matrix. Mm. It seems like a lot of it. So I probably would have messed out of the Matrix up. I would have ruined it. So do you all have a A lot of group. Okay, whatever. But I don't think he's wrong. I don't want to watch this video. You don't want to watch a video of Will Smith? It's interesting how Will Smith, like, for not recently, but there was a weird time where he was trying to, like, tackle YouTube and make YouTube, like, his own. And then Facebook Watch. I remember he was part of the... Oh, was he? He was part of of the... I mean, I still think Jada Pickett, she has her Red Table Talks or something like that. Oh, yeah? I don't know. Apparently, she just uh, emasculated... um, Will Smith with Kanye. She cheated, like she on, him cheated with some, on him with Kanye. And I don't know who, but 
I don't know. I don't follow. I it. have not like followed any of that. I don't want to. I don't. I don't need to know about Jada Pickett Smith and Will Smith's relationship. Um, no. Nor do I need to watch it on Facebook. Watch. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I don't care. Yeah. I could not care less. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm a big. That's fan an interesting of, phrase. People I, use that incorrectly a lot. I, I could. I could not care less is the correct way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. People say I could care less. Like LeBron just yeah, said it about. I could care less. Yeah. I mean, so that's. So why you don't could you? You care. Yeah. It's yeah like, you should you have care room less. to care less. Yeah. You should care less. Yeah. I couldn't care I less. I could, could not care, care less. less about Will Smith's relationship with his wife. Yeah. I think that's something that most people should understand because they throw it around. And when they say it, they're Willy very. Nilly. They're really passionate about it. They're like. Again, I think I think Trump said something about the NBA players kneeling, and oh, yeah. then LeBron said, "I could care less about what Trump thinks." And it's like, well, okay, now that means that you could care it less. Means you do care, and so you care some. And if I'm going to be a dick about it, I'm going to ask, like, well, what can you care about? Like, or what what is it that you could care less about? You know, sure. But it's they're usually very impassioned about what they say. You know, when they say it, and it's just adding a knot. It it's makes just, a lot of sense. I know, but anyway, I'm aware. Anyway, I don't give two fucks. <laughs> you could not care less I d- about. I do not give. Not I less. do not give two fucks about Will Smith's relationship. I don't like Will Smith. Will Smith has never like really clicked with me. Like he's not something I'm really super passionate about. As compared to Brad Pitt, is somebody super passionate about Will Smith or Brad Pitt for that matter? Like digging on. Like, I dig, like, a lot of Brad Pitt movies I just dig on. Like, you put me in front of Benjamin Buttons, I'm watching that shit. Hmm. You know? Meet Joe Black, I'm there. Okay. I, I'm trying cool, to figure out if I Cool want... World starring, also starring Gabriel Byrne, I'm there. But if I put on Men in Black, you're not there. Independent. If I start Independence Day right now, which is a real travesty that he's not, that's not a... Known for right? That was oh yeah, that should be a known for right. Do we? Yeah, no. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Independence Day is not there. I am Legend should be replaced with Independence. Well, it West should be replaced with. Independence I Day. like. I liked I am Legend, but it was shitty. <laughs> it's. I mean, mostly because of its. What about the Bad Boys franchise? Zero, zero fucks. Zero. The that's only thing, the only thing redeemable about Bad Boys is Taya Leone, and that's it. <laughs> that's that's generally the case with Taya Leone. But um, the, a Bad Boys and Bad Boys Two are a movie I'm very scared to rewatch. I just remember watching Bad Boys Two when they were in Brazil, and they were in a Hummer and plowing through the Havelas, Havelas, mm-hmm. like the where the poor people live in. Brazil. It's Jerry Brockheimer. Yeah. And just plowing through people's homes. And it's just like, you see all these poor people's houses? These guys. They were in Bad Boys too, though. Were you? No. They don't give a fuck. They're just <laughs> smashing through these poor people's houses and just ruining their entire livelihoods. Because guess what? They don't have insurance. I mean, this is dumb. I hate it. You're so dumb. So, yeah, I'm scared to rewatch it because it will make me feel bad that it doesn't hold up. So. And I could not tell you a single plot point from Bad Boys or Bad Boys 2. And I can I know I can't tell you a single plot point from Bad Boys for Life because I didn't watch it. And I Joe have, Pantaloni gets all pissed off at him every time. He's just, you're going to do this. No. And that's what he does. That's, I don't like that. That's my Joey Pants. Uh, that's not my, uh, 
I don't like that archetype. That's it's the classic though. It's a. It, I remember it was a. As a dude fun who just romp. as a dude who just rewatched in the past six months rewatched the entire Lethal Weapon franchise. Um, and that's all it is. It's just like that archetype is like so played out. Lethal Weapon movies. Okay. And then I watched. I, I Lethal Weapon movies hold up. Um, At least one through one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's weird. Just like, and maybe it was just like me, like not seeing. So like, Lethal Weapon Two, I never really watched in its totality until like I was old and I was much more just too focused on the weird booby shot scene. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that wasn't weird. It was just um, like oh hey, boobs. That's the one where she uh, jumps to her death, right off the top, or is that the first one? Yeah, that's the first one. First one. Anyhow, that wasn't a weird boob shot. That was yeah. just a boob well, I mean, shot. Was, and listen, like, like seeing a dead chick's boobs. But she is alive though when you first see him. I don't know if you do. Yeah, you do. I don't remember. Trust me, it you doesn't do. matter. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, like, but in my adult watching uh, Lethal Weapon two, it's just like, well, this is not how politics works. Uh, this is not how international politics works as far as like, well, with like, oh, I have diplomatic immunity and uh, just like, like, oh, my God, we can't do anything about it. And like literally they're like robbing banks and having helicopters land in the, on the middle of the 101 mm-hmm. and shit like that is like, well, that's not well, that's not how diplomatic immunity works. So these are called movies. So they they exist in a fictional world. Right. You know, so some of it's mainly grounded in reality. Also, so, like at the end of Point Break, when Keanu Reeves somehow is not fired from the FBI for, you know, robbing a bank. And I mean, I running get away. that. I mean, he can show he, that he was under duress. But he the he, idea of him getting arrested was absolutely ridiculous. But when he does arrest Patrick Swayze at the final scene in the movie and then he just lets him go because he wants to ride the killer wave because he that's thinks, gonna that's going to get you. And then he just throws his badge into the water. That's, that's also not, not how that that's works. That's not how resign. That's like declaring bankruptcy. <laughs> you know? I declare bankruptcy. I declare bankruptcy. Yeah, if I throw my badge into the ocean, you are still a cop. That is clearly a sign that I am resigning, and all the paperwork just goes yeah. out the window. Everybody see. Oh sh- shit! The badge in the ocean. That's going to be difficult to retrieve. And because you did that, uh, you just let a fugitive uh, go. So you're arrested. Yeah. Yeah. And it was in New Zealand. So then you're dealing with was Internet. it. New Zealand? Yeah. Because yeah. it was the whole thing. But again, so these are movies. They're fictionally. Oh, you know, based oh I'm aware. Everything, you know, sometimes they're grounded in reality so a little bit. I understand. Uh, so they the, can do these things because they have exorbitant amount of money. To what was spend. the other like thing was that. Uh, uh, he pulled down the bad guys, the South Africans. Like, is this a lethal weapon? Two. two. Uh, they had a a house on the hills with giant posts, like up on stilts, mm-hmm. and giant metal it's from flooding. You know, well, no, no, no. That's just because they're on the hill, and they it's going to have a like it's going elevation change. Okay. So like, uh, and being anchored in like large concrete blocks. Gotcha. And he took his. Like ram truck, put a chain on it and pulled it down. 
Again, I don't see any problem with that. That's a problem. That's I have a I'm badge. Like, this is well, no, no, like, <laughs> hey, don't do that because you're a cop. Okay, all right. He, you know, Riggs is crazy. That's fine. He can go be crazy, but your like truck does not have the towing capacity to pull down an entire building. If we're gonna, you know, find the chinks in the armor of also Point Break, Lethal Weapon Two, also True Lies. All these movies. There was a to- there was an entire uh, there was an entire MythBusters episode based around one scene <laughs> where like there was an accident, a car carrying a surfboard like rear-ended somebody, and the surfboard flew off the top of somebody's car, threw a windshield, and decapitated a guy. Mm-hmm. And they tried their damnedest. To make it happen. To make it happen, and it did not work every time. The Wait, are you telling me those Mythbuster guys, you know, they couldn't make it work? What? They could not get Everything a, they do on that show is accurate. And then they couldn't, I don't think they could get like a surfboard to decapitate a guy. <laughs> Just yeah. like launching a surfboard at some guy's head, they yeah. couldn't get it to work. So these are just scenes in a movie, though. So and that's the whole thing. It wasn't. About it. I mean, granted, you saw like an attractive, also attractive ladies. I, I mean, I don't care how you think about Mel Gibson, but Mel He's Gibson, an attractive lady, Mel Gibson <laughs> in Lethal Weapon 2. Yeah, he's not turning many heads, you know? No? Yeah, no, he's still getting over his divorce. I was going to say, is that where he's divorces. living in a trailer? He's still living in a trailer. Because that's, uh, talking about me, you know, my desires of wanting to live in a trailer at some point in my life. Yeah. I If I have to think back to early childhood of like, oh, wow, that looks great. That might Lethal be one. Lethal Weapon 2. Lethal Weapon 2 might be one of them where he's just smoking cigarettes. He's just got a gun and his dog. Yeah. What does he eat? Doesn't he eat some crazy thing in a... And Lethal Weapon 2, as they're trying to get him to quit smoking, mm-hmm. he uh, starts eating, or maybe that was Lethal Weapon 3. A- at some point, he starts eating dog biscuits. Dog biscuits? Okay. As a way to stop smoking. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I just remember the life was, he was right on the beach, correct? Yeah, he was right it's on the beach. It's been a long time since I've watched Lethal Weapon 2. Yeah. Watched Lethal Weapon 1 within the last two years, but, you know. That's, I always say it's always Sonny's version of it. Lethal Weapons movies are the best. Like, sure, not the Sean William Scott version. Uh, no, no, that was a travesty. <laughs> Lethal Weapons. Lethal Weapons. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh man, that was really sad on all levels. <laughs> on, on all, all levels. levels. That uh, poor Brandon. Brandon Dassey. Dassey talking from prison about his favorite show being Lethal Weapons. Every bit of that sentence, Every bit of that is, sentence is the horrible, it's horrible. The saddest thing. It's so sad. It still makes me feel really <laughs> sad. It's like, ah, oh, oh. oh, Brandon Dassey. I can't believe he made he me was do wrong, a show. He was wrongly convicted, <laughs> but he's in prison watching Lethal Weapon, and we refer to it as Lethal Weapons. I love it. He just wanted to watch wrestling. Uh, yeah, he likes... He's, just wanted to watch wrestling. He's got to go. He had to go do. <laughs> hey, Is I got to go turn your pride. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. You got to go? What, uh, no, I don't. Oh. No, I'm just readjusting. Don't mind me. Okay. Well, he, uh, he's, 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 he's still in prison. Brandon. I don't know. Brandon Dassey. I, I'm not sure. Because I thought at the end of the second one, he was on his way. I know it didn't. he didn't get released, but. Is it Brendan or Brandon? Brandon, Brandon. I believe. I think it's a. 
I think it's EN too. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Darcy released. We'll just see if that. I think he might have been. Let's just go to the Wikipedia page. Hmm. File petition. Da, da, da. I think he is still in prison. As, yeah, his uh, he was denied. Jeez. So here's the you know lesson to be learned from this. Always ask for your lawyer. Never talk to cops. Never talk to them. Never. Never. Especially investigators. No. Just uh, always ask for your cop or yeah. always ask for your lawyer. Because yeah. this guy. It's been how long? So 2006 is when the. That's when the. The 2007 was when the trial started. He was convicted in 2007 as well. April of 2007. So for 13 years, this kid's had to. Just living in He just wanted to watch wrestling. And because. That's. I mean, yeah. Never talk to cops. Never. Because that's what can happen. It's like it's a real like there's a thing. I, uh, there's a great video. I'm trying to remember. He was a, he was a lawyer, and just he goes mm-hmm. through just like all the reasons you should never talk to cops. Yeah. And it's uh, like and it's going down the rabbit hole of watching like lawyers speak on YouTube or yeah. any video, you know, platform, whatever. Sure, it's great information. I remember it was a while ago. We were uh, we were going through um, some of the southern states or like the southwestern states actually, where they have like border checks and everything like that. Oh yeah, I mean it's a hundred. A hundred miles from the United States border, a hundred miles inland, you can have the United States government border patrol can stop you for any reason. reason. That's insane. So that freaked us the fuck out. Um, we yeah. were musicians and traveling. We had some weed on us and everything like that in, you know, just in traveling and stuff. Yeah. And I remember we stayed with, um, we stayed with a, couch surfer in santa fe and we were going to las cruces i believe las cruces new mexico was close to the border sure anyway i don't know we had to go through border patrols and stuff like that and he's like leave your stuff with me like don't do it it's not worth it and we're like okay cool that's it that's all we're doing like we're not dealing with it but the terror still of going down we drove like back roads and everything like that and oh yeah still had to get even on the back roads there's the border patrol because we had watched these videos too of these people like saying, like refusing, yeah, and all the shit that can come from just refusing. Like they are American citizens, but they just they they don't want to show their papers. They don't want to have to do anything right. like that. So they're just saying, no, nope, I refuse. No, no. It's absolutely, it's absolutely ridiculous. And the and the thing is, like the amount of like, there's a number of states, like full states, where it is the entire state at any point, Homeland Security or Border Patrol can make. Uh, put up a checkpoint at any point. I mean, like all of Maine, all of Vermont, mm-hmm. all of like um, Florida and oh, maybe not North Carolina, but like just large swaths of the country mm-hmm. where it's 100% they can set up shop and just stop and detain right. and question anybody. And it's absolutely ridiculous. It's also good to always, you know, it's always good to have uh, an auto mechanic that you trust. Sure. It's always good to have like an insurance guy you trust. Yeah. And it's always good to have a lawyer you trust. I mean, having those those people when sure. shit hits the fan, because usually shit hits the fan in a time when you, now you're searching for somebody and you don't have the time to search right. for somebody. Right. 
But if you can have those things lined up and ready to go, just even contact, just even right. have the situation. Right. I mean, we're lucky you and I go to the same car guy here in town, uh, uh, but oh, yeah. he, he does tremendous work. Sure. So I got to get my muffler fixed. You do. But again, when I know that like something were to happen, like if I'm driving on the road and something were to happen, I got a guy I can call. Sure. And then it, at least it's going to happen. It's gonna right. Start the right. process right. of getting fixed versus calling like a chain or calling, you know, some just like a chain yeah. service or anything like that. That's going to be like, well, you know, I don't know you from anybody else. So right. we'll figure out when we can get you. Same way with getting like a public defender, you know, <laughs> right. You don't want right. to get a public defender. You don't want to get a public defender, especially uh, in Brendan Dassey's case. Like, yeah, the thing is like everybody needs to really sit down, take a look and understand what your rights are because every American should do that right now. Cause police officers are trained. They are trained to do mental jujitsu. They're trained to be fishing all day long mm-hmm. with every single question they ask it is a fishing expedition yep. and for you to give up all of those rights yeah just because any information it, even any and all information no matter whether the cop has said your mm-hmm. miranda rights or not every single thing that mm-hmm. you say any word that comes out of your mouth is it, Admissible because well, then at that point though it's a game. At that point you're playing a game, and then you want to be able to play the game at least somewhat well. Because again, right. the other person's playing the game a lot longer. They've been, you know, right. They are in a point of advantage of just how the game is played. Yeah, it's it's regard. It's not right and wrong. It's just who's going to win the game, and you can win the game by right. not giving up information. That's and, all it takes is not, I mean, not shutting your mouth. Mm-hmm. Don't say a thing. Because from the lawyer side, I mean, lawyers get the rap of being like, you know, snake oil salesmen and, you know, bad people right. and stuff like that. But they're playing the same game and there's definitely predi- the same way that there are predatory lawyers. There are predatory police officers. Yeah. And, and predatory prosecutors as well. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's bad. And it's, then there are the people that are like the public defenders that want to or, you know, like the um yeah, like the public defenders. I forget the other word for but public defender is the more prosecutor? like prosecutor. No, the public defender is like you know more of a low level position where you're cutting your teeth. But the people that really want to help everybody, you know, they want to make the world. Sure. They want to defend the uh, the poor and the helpless right. and everything with that. Like doing pro bono work or what? Yeah, I maybe maybe it is public defender. Maybe it is. Just, I mean, I know uh, a couple. Of, I know a couple of public defenders, and you know they're overworked, and it's mm-hmm. like it's on, and also like. The same way, and just to finish that point, though. Yeah, the, go ahead. The same way that there are police officers that want to serve and protect, you know. Right. That right. There's this whole gambit of that, that's a really shitty hornet's nest of. Uh, I don't know. Of of range of personalities and people in a in one given profession. You know what I'm saying? Right. I don't like because being a teacher, you know, like there are teachers that really want to teach. There's some. There are shitty... teachers that don't give a shit, and then that's about it. You know. And this is and going, but into, none of them can put you away in prison. It's my opinion. I don't like. We've talked a little bit about unions. Like I think unions have their time and their place, and especially like like the horrific conditions of, you know, like turn of the century. You know, where people like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, hey, I'd like to get paid, not like back breaking wages. Well, if you say that, then I'm going to ruin your life. Or, I'm, oh, yeah. you know, you break your leg on the job, you're totally fucked. Mm-hmm. Script money, anything like that? That's, where you live oh, in, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, I almost sold to the company store. Like, 
that's bad. And I understand that collective bargaining broke that. Mm-hmm. I get that. Um, what I don't think is like where between, between police unions and, and teacher unions where you have an entity whose sole job is to protect their per, their their union members at all costs. Yeah. Where you have things like the rubber room in, in New York where just shitty teachers just go and get paid a paycheck to sit for eight hours a day because it's easier to rent that space than it is to go through the legal process of firing them. Mm-hmm. Same thing with police officers where it's just like, absolutely ridiculous and they will you know you know after you have to really really screw up to get fired as a cop but that's after you get all kinds of leniency built that's built in i mean i get to choose when i say my statements i get to choose when what evidence what evidence is admissible like inside my inside my hearing yeah not in that's not in a court of law just like all of that so But that's again where that's crazy. Where again, you have the spectrum of intentions here. Where the you know, if we're looking back, and I mean, not a little over a hundred years ago, or we're dealing with these conditions of uh, a bit, essentially like slave sure. labor. I mean, that's right. one thing. I forget. There's an interesting battle that happened. It was it was a a union uprising. A union, I think it was probably at a miner. I think it was at a miner. Yeah, something. A coal miner. Uh, yeah, and they just got. And police and, came in and pummeled the fuck out of everybody. Well, they and they eventually banded together to at least form some type of militia, some type of right. A, it was a fight. It was a battle, something or another. I can't sure. remember right now. But anyway, um, those are the conditions where right. You, absolutely, you don't want that <laughs> to is, happen. This right? is a so, clear cut. Like okay, organized labor needs to break mm-hmm. this because so then with in less than a hundred years, um, it's been created, taken over broken and then uh taken advantage right. of right. because the the unions that survived all that or the unions that weren't broke you know, like yeah. i mean they were dealing with um situations of people that had good intentions but sure. got caught up in the crossfires and couldn't handle it or like couldn't uh, maintain right and couldn't fight any longer and then it's replaced by people that right. are going to take advantage of it and do all these things that right are like, shitty yeah like we're gonna defend our side no matter no what. no matter yeah. what if you you know if you want to work with us great but if you don't then you're against us yeah that's no way no. to do anything I yeah. mean. if you're a shitty teacher if you're a garbage teacher which i'm sure we've all had yeah. teachers that Everyone's and it's just like and the steps that they would have to go through to get that person fired mm-hmm. that's crazy and it's like it's absolutely insane and because how many how many jobs have unions attached to them. That's a good. I mean, it's gone down significantly. Significantly, I think I want to say it's. I want to say it's twenty five percent of American workforce is union. I something something like that. Down from like sixty percent. Yeah. In the nineteen seventies. You even think it was that low in the sixties? Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Mm. It's the five most unionized jobs. Here. Uh, List of U.S. labor unions. No, 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 oh, no, oh. no. You don't want that. Go, go you don't to want fine d- labor unions in United States. Good old Wikipedia. Screw you, FineLaw.com. Actually, we might uh, be going back because I, I saw it. I, I want to say I saw that twenty-five percent. Let's see here. So you just want something that agrees in twenty nineteen fourteen 
6.6 million members of the United States were in union, down from 17.7. So. Dun, 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 dun. Compared to 20% in 1983. It's at 10%. Yep. And then. So? Trying to see where there's 33.6. Hold on, what was that? Go, I'm sorry. Uh, let's see. Union membership in the private sector has fallen 6.2%. One fifth of the public sector workers at 33.6 million. 33.6%. Over half of all union members in the U.S. lived in seven states California, New York, Illinois, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Ohio, and Washington. Crazy. That's a crazy. That's a crazy thing. That's. I mean, that's. But again, I, that's where uh, those are the ones that survived. That's not necessarily right. the best intentions. That's not necessarily. I, that's I mean, the thickest skin. That's the playing down and dirty. I I remember like having a conversation with my brother about this. So like back after, uh, it was after the housing crisis, and the union. The teachers union here in Dubuque County did not would not give up having a pay increase. They had to have their pay increase if and they'd rather have jobs be cut than give up a pay increase for mm-hmm. a year. Yeah. And I'm like we're in the height of the worst downturn since the Great Depression. Yeah. And you can't give up a pay increase for a year. But that's two that's a two-sided coin though. Because if I give it up and it, it's the fear of yeah. giving it up if I give it up now, and I'm just playing devil's advocate, but it's what it the mentality that's been created over this time. If I give it up now, what's to say that I can't that I get it next year? What right. do I have? What insurance do I have? Even if I get it in writing, what what things can be written in there? Look at all the things that have been happening with pushing you know other agendas through to solve what the situation that we're currently in sure there's a lot of things that have been earmarked and attached to these I, things like, that how is it that the hero was it the heroes act is that what yeah the, the heroes act the, yep. the democratic bill the heroes act and it's like really that's what we're that's what you're worried about with you know focusing on cannabis industry and also racial equality mm-hmm. amongst business owners. That's what you're worried about. Republicans. You're worried about attack uh, helicopters and F-16 fighters. Mm-hmm. That's what you're worried about. And it's like, this is the, this is the like union scene and union negotiations seem to be much more of a tangible, uh, easier, easier to represent yeah. operation of the government itself. Whereas the government's peeling from like, 50 different things at once to throw into the the Heroes Act, much like the Patriot Act, that just sounds really great. Oh, my God. You know? Uh, And it's so convoluted, people usually just check out because you're talking about so many different things. Right. You're peeling from so many different places where you're like, "Uh, I lost it, all right? Right. But again, going back to, like, the teacher's union example you gave, Mm -hmm. well, that's a thing where if I'm going to make, if I'm head of the teacher's union and I want to keep my job, I'm going to fight for the teachers that get... it's right. not that it's right. right. It's just right. that that's the position they're that's, put in because of the situation. Because they're worried. Yeah they're, yeah. they're worried, but they're also. I remember part of the reason. I'm sorry. I'm stepping on you. Part of the reasoning was, okay, you got to compound it. You got to compound it. If I don't get my 3% rate increase this year, 
that means my 3% n- next year and the year after that is going to be worth less because I took a year off. I didn't have a year of growth in my salary, so therefore I'm going to be losing X amount of dollars at the end of my life, which is ridiculous. And and a lot of that is like a, a way to just respond to a question. I mean, a lot of that's a way to just right. answer a pro- here's the problem. Here's here's the thing. Here's a justification I'm going to give for it. If it's not good enough, I'll give you another justification. Sure. Um, it's. I was watching something. I've just recently got back into my podcast that I've been uh, putting off for the last few yeah. few months and everything like that. And they were playing one about Fauci getting interviewed by uh, or being uh, grilled by I forget who it was, some governor or senator or whatever. But they were Sam Elliott. It wasn't Sam Elliott. No. But he was asking him about if the the protests are causing uh, the spread to continue and everything like that. And Fauci was he said he said that any large groups of people like will increase the spread. Sure. And he said, well, why? He basically just he trapped him. He said, well, then why haven't we stopped the protests? And he's like, well, I can't answer. I don't know why. Like I'm not in a position to answer it. It's like, well, you've said all these other things that they can't do. And he had all these examples of things that Fauci has said. And he basically just trapped him in a situation of if I don't answer, if I don't have my answers ready to go right now, Mm -hmm. you're going to be trapped. And then you're going to you're going to get a soundbite and they're never going to be able to stop playing it. Sure. So, again, a situation that like you're saying with the teachers union, if I don't have that soundbite ready to go, if I don't have that question answered, I don't have justifications ready to go regardless of if you agree with them or not yeah. i just need to not be caught off guard i not i need to not feel like i'm on my heels and here's the crazy thing a lot of teachers got let off that year i mean there is i mean but that's not the the, the that's the fight they wanted though they wanted that fight of i'd rather have jobs cut than i'd my, rather have jobs cut and that's interesting i think i'm i'm gonna say like a majority of people would rather have their salaries decreased than having their workload increased. But that's the, that doesn't matter. That's the thing that... That's the whole problem with the situation, is that yeah. it doesn't matter what most people would think. It's what the people in charge want to... What the popular opinion would be. They and, do a goofy thing in Germany, where if... They poop all over the place? You heard about that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. My family's half German, so... Oh, so it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. We have half the house we poop on. So, which half? You, you'll find out. You'll find out. I don't. I don't like this. <laughs> Anyhow, um, where if I'm an employer, and I'm like, I am, I'm hitting an economic downturn, much like right right now. Okay, we're in a downturn. Yeah, you didn't hear. You haven't been paying attention. I haven't been paying attention. You have not been paying attention. I've noticed this. I've been picking up on this. Yeah. (laughs) I've got my pulse on the world. I don't know if you know that. I've just been, it's been fine. You've been lollygagging and dilly-dallying the whole whole day long. I have a kiddie pool. (laughs) Yeah, I got a kiddie pool and a bar out back. It's fine. I'm fine. That's that's what's wrong with America. Um, (laughs) Anyhow, so like I'm in an economic downturn and I say, uh, if I cut all of my employees' salaries by 20%, 
I can make it work. And they say, go up to the government and say, Mr. Government, if I cut 20% of my wages, I can make it work. And the government says, well, why don't you just have 20% of everybody's income from us then? Mm-hmm. So it's like a weird backfill from the government instead yeah. of like what we're doing right now, which is like, uh, why don't I just lay you off and then you go on unemployment this and is you can the deal thing, with that though. archaic system. But this is the thing, though, and I'm sorry to cut you off because I, I hear yeah. this argument so no, jump much on in. with Europe in like individual countries within Europe. Yeah. In comparison to the United States. Sure. We and again, it's it's as much an American problem as a worldwide problem. I mean, it's probably more of an American yeah. problem because we view ourselves in comparison oh, no. to yeah. total, totally. It, I, I'm 100 percent on board with you yes. to a place like Germany or Italy or anything no. like that. where you are like. Well, they, they, you know, it happened sure. when the, the spread sure. happened and everything like that. It's like, well, they got it under control. It's like, yes, they're like, you know, Nevada, you know. Right, and right, they, right. So we don't take that into consideration. No, I, I thought I just. And, but it goes, hold on, I got a point go, here. Go ahead, so it goes going. back into Sorry. more just state run or state controlled um, directions that they want. Right. The, the far reach of the federal government, I think, has become a problem. I think it's become. You're, it's you're right. You're right. Where the states are so dependent on the outreach of the federal government that that's what they're looking to first instead of the rights of the states and actually the problems of the states where they become. This is a great example. This this whole covid crap has been a great example of states being able to exercise in their specific situation. Like, yeah. Iowa is not the same as Manhattan. Like, you know. Right. So. We obviously have to operate differently, and there's right. no federal mandate that would apply to everybody. Just like you can't do it for all of Europe because they're all their own individual countries, and and it's just a, a thing we find ourselves comparing the yeah the United States to Germany and not sure. all of Europe. R- right, right. Yeah, and that I mean, so yeah, that specific case was Germany, and I don't remember. But I'm not, and and I, I'm not and jumping I, on yeah, you. I'm yeah, just yeah, saying no, I'm we just remember. do that a lot. No. I'm just, I thought it was an interesting, I think it was an interesting. Yeah. Concept. But if, if, you know, could, could that be applied worldwide? If Minnesota could, I mean, wanted to do that. And then I'd and much, ra- I'd much rather, sure. I'd much rather see, well, I mean, listen, and here's the other thing. If, if the government, if the federal government, like what they've been doing with the PPP and the EIDL stuff, and mm-hmm. it's just like, Hey, you know, you, you can use this as a, as a weird bank and you as an individual company can come and backfill uh, your wages through us. I think that, I, I think that makes more sense. I, I think that the idea of kicking people off of the payrolls and putting them on to uh, unemployment, I think that's a bad, I think it's a bad idea. Well, at the rate unpl- unemployment was, yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's like... And there's just no incentive to go. Well, the, there's, there's no... No, I think... I mean, that's and that's why it would be like, hey, I need somebody to come work. I mean, like, I need you to work. And it's... But I don't think it's a good idea. That's all. You know, and I, not to get too convoluted with it, but again, the way that, I mean... If I could get what was it? What was the to, the total unemployment for a week? Oh, I don't even remember. I thought it was four hundred plus an extra. Was an extra? Oh, six hundred. No, it was an extra six hundred. Six hundred. So, so you're getting a thousand so, bucks a week. So the first like the, the first way that ran out. So the yeah, and the thing is, so it's state by. I mean, so, okay, how they do? I'm not exactly sure. Like as far as wage replacement within Iowa. Mm-hmm. So it I. I'm trying to think of the numbers exactly that I personally saw with my wife because my wife was laid off. Yeah. 
um, and how much she got from the state, I don't, I don't remember. But she's not making a lot of money. You're a hundred. And how they came up with the six hundred dollar is kind of interesting. I and I'd never heard it before. How they ended up on the six hundred is like, okay, so median wage is this, okay, and so median wage across the entire country is this. So if we do that and we want to do 70% of that, okay, or 60% of that, okay, median wage per week is $900. Okay, so we'll do 60% of that. So even in that explanation of it, it it seems to me like you're doing uh, incorrect math. You're you're averaging out a country. The the entire country. And that's what it was. When it costs bare minimum. Yeah. $2,500 2500 to 3000 dollars to rent a studio apartment in Manhattan. Yeah. Versus my seven hundred dollar mortgage in <laughs> right? Iowa. Like it's a total different world. It's an incredibly different so, world. Again, to do the math on that grand scale and that seems what, like yeah. if I'm I'm not a mathematician, I enjoy math, yeah. but I'm not one. Um You're not? But I dabble. It's a hobby. I wish I was really good at it. No. Um is that your one wish? No, no. I've been thinking about it. I don't don't know what I have. Um, I'm just really good at a lot of things. Um, oh, but it oh. seems like a a really just flawed way to go about it. Yeah. And if you if you wanted to back end it with the federal government, if you wanted the federal government to like fill in the gaps based on state by state sure. doing it, that I can understand. You definitely do with a lot more coordination, a lot more again. Added corruption, going back to unions and everything sure. like that. Best intentions, but there's always going to be somebody that uh, just takes advantage of the situation. Right. Um, but yeah, it's to judge it on a total scale. And that's, I mean, that is was a problem. I mean, because that's what they had to do. That, that I mean, well, like, yeah. In, in, in the moment, specific in, in situation, the moment, in the thick of it, they're like, but, okay, uh, what can we do? Okay, here's yes. some broad numbers. Okay. All right, we can deal with broad numbers because. But this has happened before. All this stuff. Also, this has always. Also, happened. there's a weird. There's a weird thing about just like the individual states and how they ca- like calculate their unemployment and how because it's literally every state does an unemployment differently. Has like so many other parameters, so many other restrictions with unemployment. It's it's such a weird patchwork. Mm-hmm. So, because of that. They just said, "We're we cannot we cannot figure that." And this is unique. This is a unique situation, obviously. But yeah, I don't know if I anyone's mean, told never, you. Never, never in any other point in our country have they said, "Hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take thirty million people, and we're just going to slam up them against the wall and say you're fired." Mm-hmm. And that's and that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, you know, you know, we're dealing with weird things like the United States government giving unemployed people $600 per week, $2,400 a month. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. I mean, like as, I mean, I say that that's crazy money because I'm living here in Iowa and it's like, that is a large amount of money to be dropped on my desk Mm -hmm. every week. But not if you were in Manhattan, not if I'm in Manhattan, of course. And and that's, and that's why it's goopy. And that's why the return to normalcy is going to be, a very difficult thing. And I think in I am every state needs to really look. I mean, when you have the idea that some states are incapable of calculating 70% of someone. Okay. 
Bobby, you have been laid off and let's say you had a normal job. Uh, right. Not a podcaster. Not, not a podcaster in that, you know, your, you know, collection of other of things that you do. Yeah, but podcast is my main thing. That's your main thing. Yeah. Anyhow, uh the idea that a state government can't say this is all your income, this is what you've made, and I'm gonna give you seventy percent of that. And how it's incapable of some some states are it is impossible for them to do that. Well, no, that that's not crazy to me. That makes sense because you have so many different people making money in different ways. Like I again, if we had more of a focus on I'm not saying it's right. I'm just right. saying I think I view it as a problem. I'm being that person that I fucking hate where I say it's you bring an idea to the table and everyone's like, "Well, I I don't like it, but I, I can't like tell it. you how to fix it." Okay? Right. And that's that's generally the problem with this whole democracy yeah capitalism thing sure. we have we all admit there's a problem that's fucked up you should but do we that. don't know we no one has a solution yeah. to it i but i do think that when we lived out in colorado and colorado colorado and it was uh and, and weed was legal oh it yeah it became it became a situation of if colorado wants to decide to do that then colorado can do that that's that's really right. It. And if if you want to move there because of that, or if you want to move away because of that, or if you want to sit there and learn to deal with it, or be really happy that sure. you're already there, those are all decisions you get to make. It seems like everything else gets to do that too. You know, if I want to be really progressive and live in you know Chicago, Manhattan, L.A., or anything like that, Portland, it, Portland, exactly, another great example. Or if I say fuck that, you know, and I want to do, I want to, you know, watch college football and wave my Confederate flag. I can live yeah. in Bama and Mississippi and all that stuff. You can do that. You don't. No one's forcing you from L.A. to go to Mississippi and then have right. to live. Now, there's a whole treasure trove of things that deal within those situ- uh, like microcosms and stuff that you're okay. dealing with. But that's that's a different argument. That's a that's a different. Uh, beast to tackle sure and if a state wants to i don't know i just it's more about state rights i guess is what i'm trying to get at i am a for i'm and if you had more of an emphasis on state rights then maybe it would be easier to calculate you know what you know johnny z is making at a well because the, the problem is that the problem is that most of these states they see unemployment insurance as this stupid thing that I don't want to deal with. So in in like lean times, they sit there and they scramble to figure it out. But during the fat times, they just sit there and they go, well, why would we put money into an unemployment? Why are we going to sink right. money into an unemployment thing? We're going gangbusters here, guys. We don't need to worry about that. Right. It's never going to end. Right. Mm-hmm. They, you know, nobody heard the parable that, you know, when did Noah build the ark? Before the flood. Before the flood. <laughs> and, they, you know, it's like that's the Is that day. from the Bible? Uh, the Bible? Yeah. Oh, cool. No, I don't think so. Never read it. <laughs> You're missing out. Uh, Paul Simon got a lot of his lyrics from the Bible. I always thought uh, that was interesting. Yeah. Do you ever listen to a lot of Simon and Garfunkel and think of the Bible? No. I guess it's how it was written, but. By Simon and Garfunkel? No, but I, that would be the version of the Bible I would. I would. Right. All right. Simon to. and Garfunkel or in in I would in, listen to in uh, <laughs> that's it. That's the movie right there. Simon and Garfunkel read the Bible. Y- you get a couple of you get a couple of Jewish guys, some Jewish folk singers. 
Is art is art Jewish? I know. No, but I'm saying just to to go to Israel, and go to Palestine, and go to go to Jerusalem during Jesus's time and really influence. <laughs> With their beautiful music, <laughs> just like, yeah, oh, just that is the time travel a, mo- movie. That's a time travel movie that I'd love to see. Is, uh, yeah, just uh, just art, um, Paul and Art, just uh, <laughs> just a like a weird folk duo in uh, in ancient ancient silence. silence. I mean, really good. Hello, darkness, my old friend. And Jesus is just there snapping his fingers. You guys, you got it. You got it. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, there's something about there's a there's something there. I'll tell you what. Can we pitch it? I mean, they hate each other. I love that. I love that, that they hate each other. That's. I was I was really pissed. I we had tickets to go see them on their last reunion tour. Oh yeah. And it wasn't because they hate each other hated each other that they canceled it. It was a. Uh, Art Garfunkel, Garfunkel had, had a some, sciatica. Something with his voice, not his sciatica. <laughs> I was so mad. Because now I never see him, but did get a chance. I can't find out if he's Jewish or not. I don't. I don't I'm not. I'm not saying they're Jewish. I'm just I, saying the well, idea. I know of, Paul Simon is. Oh, is he? I'm yeah. just saying the idea of knowing uh, Hebrew. That's that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. They can go back and, and converse in Hebrew. I just want to hear the sound of silence in Hebrew. That's what I'm saying. Is that really which one? To get that's to? really what I'm saying. Yeah. So, well, as I'm looking at here, actually, okay, we found out an answer. So. Ark Arfunkel is a Romanian and Jewish descent. And okay. Then, well, and his, uh, well, so yeah, he's Jewish then. Okay. I mean, sure. I, I, I mean, I don't know. It's not the plot point that, that we're looking for. But, uh, no, no. But his, his maternal cousin, yes, yeah, maternal cousin is Lou Pearlman. Are you familiar with Lou Pearlman? Oh. Giant piece of shit he is. Uh, yeah, I mean he's a garbage person, but he yeah. also like produced like, Backstreet Boys is and, like the main sync. driving force between the uh, for the uh, renaissance of uh, boy bands in the late nineties from Orlando, Florida. That's yeah, that's a you know, I'll take from you uh, connections I never thought I'd hear of Alex for five hundred. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Mark Garfunkel and Lou Pearlman. That's not second cousins. His maternal cousin. That's insane. That's a tough one to swallow, actually. All right. Lou Perlman, and I, I, I don't, I don't want to get sued for slander or libel. Is it libel when you speak it? Uh, no, slander. Slander is when you speak when you no. speak it. Libel well, is when I you mean, write so, it. Okay, so libel. This is uh, I got to reach deep into my uh, communication law class. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I won't do it. I'd slander slander is when you say something and there's no record. There's of no it, record of it, as compared to libel, which can be used. As, they're both defamation. Yeah, I don't want a defamation suit, but that does look like a mugshot. So uh, okay, cool. I think I can actually say this. Hold on one second. Uh, the picture oh. used of Lou Pearlman is molestation allegations. Okay, cool. Um, wow, this guy. What he had life? a heart valve condition. Noted. In a 2009 interview with Howard Stern, Rich Cronin, the former lead singer of the band LFO, LFO, not LMAFO, LFO. LFO. You know, uh, I like hot girls and what's yeah. it? Uh, yeah. Chinese I, and uh, I was I alive. Abercrombie and Fitch. I yeah. was alive. Yes. I'm bringing the listeners into <laughs> into the tapestry that yeah. is this time. 
said that he only had received a fraction of money owed to him from record sales and claimed Perlman uh, had wanted to bang everyone and had attempted to seduce, seduce him multiple times. Cronin also alleged that those who did oblige Perlman were looked after. So what I'm saying is, is he looked like a guy that would do that. Much oh. like Harvey Weinstein looked like the oh, guy yeah. that would do the things that Harvey sure. Weinstein did. Yeah. Lou Perlman looked like that guy that did those things. The problem is when people bring Ron Perlman into this. Ron Perlman? Yeah. Who's Ron Perlman? Who's <laughs> Ron Perlman? He's an he's a incredibly great actor, very versatile. I mean, he played everything from The Beast and Beauty and the Beast, the television series, to Hellboy. So, fuck off. Oh, that guy. You know, Ron Perlman. Yeah. He was also an enemy at the gates. He went to the University of Minnesota. Wow. Oh, yeah? Which one? Oh, for his master's, he went to the University of Minnesota. Master's. It's a gorgeous gorgeous campus. What's it? Ever been? Uh, No. No, It's gorgeous. I did a job interview at Mankato State, but that was about it. The uh, university... University of, University of Minnesota Mankato, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't so. that Minnesota State at some point? I think that was coach. The, the coach set was. They use, I mean, as far as like establishing shots. Well, or? coach worked at Minnesota State, which never actually existed, which I believe was Mankato State. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I don't know. Did you watch a lot of coach? I watched a lot Dauber. of coach. Dauber. We were just talking about mud dobbers. Dobbers had a really interesting career from everything against working against Rob Lowe in the uh, Stand movie, television movie. Interesting. Also, Luther. Uh, he was Luther. We're talking about Dobber, the character, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, he was uh, Patrick in SpongeBob. Patrick SpongeBob. He's also been in a couple other things. Uh, he was also the voice of Brooklyn in, in Gargoyles. <laughs> the, the He's got a great voice. So a lot of voice work makes sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And then he was also in The Stand, the television series based on the Stephen King novel. So FYI. Dauber. How would you spell Dauber? I, D-O-B-B-E-R. Yeah, right. I just wanted to figure out what's the actor's name. Not Duber. I think it's D-O-B-B-E-R, not D-O-O-B. Uh, well, it's a new computer. <sighs> I, I don't like that. I don't like it either. Okay, I got to do this. Ready? Yeah. Coach. Just do that. Big fan, no. coach. What's that? Seventy? No. No. Eighty-nine to ninety-seven. That's the correct answer. Right. Jerry Van Dyke. Jerry Van Dyke was in that. Yeah, Jerry. I mean, yeah, Dick Van Dyke's younger brother. Yeah. He was Luther. Luther. Oh, that's oh, okay. 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 Yeah. I gotcha. I they they actually don't look a lot like each other. Holy shit! Oh my god. Dauber. We D A U B E R. D-A-U-B-E-R. Is that how you spell mud dauber? What does IMDb give coach? Uh, its popularity has gone up a hundred and some spots. You know, I think it's no nonsense uh, approach, really. <laughs> really, I just want to figure out Bill, Bill Fagerbaki. Bill Fagerbaki. I want to figure out his net worth because he's living that fuck you SpongeBob. It's that movie. SpongeBob movie. So, I mean that. Like that's gotta be. What what's your guess before I find it? What's your guess? Bill Foggerbaki. Bill Foggerbaki is probably worth at least ten mil. Yeah? Yeah. I mean if he's smart and he's investing in real estate, I'm just imagining that I'm he's... gonna go crazy. I'm gonna go crazy. I think he's I think it's thirty million. I think SpongeBob mm. worldwide is much more popular. Uh, I and don't he know. signed a really good deal. 
Uh, okay, ready? Well, let's find it out. Celebritynetworth.com. 10 million. Oh. What did I say? You said 10. I said 10? You oh, said 10. I am smart. Well, <laughs> you can guess well. <laughs> I did watch a lot of uh, Prices Right. That'd be a good game show. Like Celebrity Network. Celebrity Network. Net- Celebrity Network. Net that's a good team. That's a good show. Right? Because if I bring up Bill Foggerbachy, and then oh. you're just like, uh, who? And yeah. then you give like little clues. Oh, yeah. To like lead it. up. And then oh, at the end, it. you have to be like, oh, the net worth. Okay. And closest to gets to go up. And we rip off prices right <laughs> in the same fucking approach. Instead of appliances, we just use celebrities. In this day and age, there's no shortage of it. Celebrity net worth the game show. That's a game show. Okay. Let's uh, just quickly get the celebrity net worth at gmail.com. Hold on. <laughs> oh, that's got to be taken, right? We're going to find gonna... out. Okay, so I've been doing some thinking. Uh, yeah. yeah. I've been doing some thinking about my my Simon and Garfunkel. You've been workshopping it a little yeah, bit? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Okay, here's the deal. Okay. So not Simon and Garfunkel, clearly. No, they, they, they can't I do mean, it. Unless, I mean, unless we get... I mean, I don't think Paul Simon's going to sign off on this. <laughs> I hope... I don't know. He signed off on that Chevy, you know. I guess they did uh, You Can Call Me Al, you know. That was a while ago. It was. He has a He's sense of humor. He's matured a lot. He has a sense of humor, though. I mean, he did do the uh, the the Wildeberries. What was the Nickelodeon television show? Oh, <laughs> no, later on one? Yeah, like after Rugrats, the same guy did. Like Angry Beavers? No. That was, I mean, after that. After Rugrats, he really did that. They made a movie, The Thornberries. That sounds right. The Thornberries. Yeah, guy had a uh, mustache, big. Yeah. like everyone kind of had big noses or yes. like accentuated yeah. features. Okay, he did the entire uh, like soundtrack to their movie, their major motion picture. Really? Yeah. I don't know why. Interesting, <laughs> but he did. Uh, Anyhow. Okay. Uh. Okay, so Simon and Garfunkel, but not a Simon and Garfunkel. We open on like their 1960s large-scale concert village in the village, right? Okay. Yep. And yep. Familiar. They get into their limo afterwards, and immediately start fighting because they hate each <laughs> other so much. And that's where they wackily get sent back into time. And then, because of their arguing and their fist fighting. Their limo gets into a car accident, and they get sent back Love to it. biblical time. biblical Jerusalem. <laughs> okay, and, cl- and here's the, here's the twist. It's ready for the twist. Is uh, their limo driver gets sent back with them? Oh, a third party. <laughs> third party, yeah. and he's just like, "Fuck you guys." He's really not happy, with and this he's really situation. angry because he gets stuck into the servant like role. Okay. You know, so it's that comedy that keeps playing out. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm on board with you. Actually. And they slowly like influence Jesus. <laughs> I I'm not sure if whether or not they get executed at the hands of the Romans or not. <laughs> <laughs> after, oh, there's some there's after, some avenues we can go down there really make this pop. You know, after they find out like their mm-hmm. true selves and how much they really love well, each other. Well, can they be seen as? I mean. 
as <laughs> witches and sorcerers because of their beautiful music and I, their I hip, think, like their Pied Piper ability I think, to maybe it's like a weird lure thing children where they people. like are like Jesus's rivals as far as like being soothsayers <laughs> and just being. Uh, I'll see now. Here's where we diverge. I think Jesus sees them and is inspired. I, I like the idea of like, but they're inspired by the words that he said long ago, playing their own songs, and it's it's very meta. You yeah, know? I think that, that would save us from a lot of uh, movie theaters being burned down yeah. and uh, you know protests. Something I like the idea of like, man, I mean, Jesus, I, I've been hearing a lot about this Jesus guy, mm-hmm. but you guys, you you're like awakening well, something inside me because they've been music. working on it. They'd reached their <laughs> pinnacle. Like right. Jesus is just starting off and obviously they're ripping off early. You know, they're influenced by his total work and maybe like, and then some, they're just at the height of their game. And maybe like Jesus, like Jesus, uh, where he, with the loaves and the fishes, like he tries to do some kind of collab with them <laughs> at, the, at that mass gathering. <laughs> something, some, there's something there. There's something there. It's whether we can get, Paul Simon and I don't think I mean I think we can do the same and and here's, here's it, but well you no gotta, here, you got to get the song you have to have the thank song thank you thank you, you gotta that's have, exactly like, what I was gonna say and, if we don't get them we can't have, like we got to write equivalent you gotta songs really, you got to really, really bring it really good folks that means song. I have to fucking read the Bible and then be inspired and write lyrics just yeah. like Paul Simon and but that's why you open up at the concert you you prime the pump yeah you prime the pump with. Playing the hit song. What was that Beatles movie that they put out where everyone forgot about the Beatles? Uh, yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. So it's like yesterday meets the Passion of the Christ. Yes. Okay. Um, not necessarily the Passion because it's not going to all take over like a twenty-four-hour period. So it's gonna it's gonna be spread out. And with that fucking limo driver getting okay, the last temptation of Christ meets yesterday. Okay. Yes, that's it. That's what we're going for. With equal amounts of Willem Dafoe. <laughs> How, Dafoe, how much of a afro can Willem Dafoe grow? Willem, can he play the Ark Garfunkel type? No, he's Willem Dafoe is like the Roman uh, centurion who's think, like yeah, he's like he's, he's hassling. He's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? It's a callback to what are Jesus. you doing? I, you guys are up to no good. I don't know what I'm, it is. Something fishy is happening here, and I'm sure the emperor, the Caesar, would not like this. Good news. All. Celebrity net worth game show at gmail.com is available. So, <laughs> so if it's at- trademark pending, you cannot <laughs> see if you're listening to this, you cannot steal this idea. Celebrity net worth game show game show is that's a thing that can exist. That's a thing that can exist in today's society. And we could make it without any anybody's consent. Uh, that's it's all, you know, public knowledge. Oh, man. Celebrity net worth. You come up with three little t- tidbits. Of this person yeah. was assistant, whatever Dauber's like role on coach was, like whatever his coaching position was. And then the last one, of course, is, you know, he played a starfish in a popular <sighs> children's TV show. Uh, maybe. And that's, oh, here's, I'm developing it right now. I love it. Okay. So the contestants, you got your three contestants, right? Correct. And they've got a dial. And that's how, and the, and the audience sees the numbers. You you say the first question, and they get to like set the dial. Lock it in. Lock it in. Okay. All right. Second and question. second second hint. Because they never need to find out who it is. Like the, I mean, I'm we're spitballing this. We're working this out organically, but the audience can know who it is. The audience can 
know who it is the entire time, or would that take away? No, from I the, think the I, w- I want a I want a uh, family feud thing Where when they, they re- guess? when they reveal the answer at the end, and everybody goes, "What's the guy's name?" So I can get it right. Uh, Bill Frogerbaki, like <laughs> that from uh, Family Feud. Okay, so you're ele- adding elements of Family Feud. This is fine. No, as far as like having the whole, you know, at the end, you know, when they can't when they reveal like the top three answers actually, and nobody guessed it. Are you familiar with this part of yeah, Family Feud? Yeah, but I'm guessing, I'm like, if someone were to guess, if someone were to guess, you know, uh, Bill Foggerbaki. I think uh, maybe that's just like. Maybe, what incentive would you have? I think that's, I mean. really got to workshop this. Okay, here's the, okay, so you get your three hints, right? Yeah. And you're dialing in. I think your guess is the net worth, though. Your, your guess is the net worth, but also, like, you get, like, a, you get a, like, a wider plane um, but with every hint, if you make an adjustment, that means that you, like your plane gets smaller, or something hmm. like that. I don't. Yeah. Okay. You know your your range gets your first hint. Your range is pretty big, as far as like your net the net worth dollars. But the point of the point of the clues isn't if I'm living in a world where it's not to guess the person. It's if I know if I can guess the person without revealing it to everybody else. I can maybe hone in on that quicker because I know who it is before they do. So maybe if I set the net worth, if I set the net worth and I don't touch it and then everyone else is, if they keep manipulating after yeah, every guess, that's what I'm saying with a range, like your, yeah. your range gets smaller. Yeah. But then if I set it on the, like if I set it on the third one, but the person next to me set it on the first one yeah, and we set the same thing on the last try and then my, and then the other person's first try because a, a person only moved it once. And then didn't touch it. That's they it. get more points. But the, here's the deal. I think you have to answer the correct answer. You have to like to, oh, but I think to get to, the to get the point. You get like, a bonus point. You get a bonus you know, point. I think, you get a bonus point. I think it's like, okay, all right, uh you're within the net worth, but for an for a chance to play. <laughs> for a chance to play, can you name <laughs> can you name who this is? Bill Fockerbaki. And you get to come up and play. Ding, 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 ding. You're the next contestant on Celebrity Net Worth. And then a sad Al Pacino walks out. <laughs> What's my net worth? <laughs> and then it's like the match game. It's like the match game, right? Where it's just... Uh, Is it someone, just higher or lower someone, with, with the celebrity? Someone talking to you. Just be like, no one's with Sepico. And then... Uh, I had a lot of cocaine. <laughs> and then uh, I was made an offer I could never refuse. I think there's... Some, there's Al Pacino. If we can get B-list celebrities. That's what we're going to build the show that, on. The show is that's where on. the tr- That's where the problems I'm gonna call come up. I'm going to call up Michael Boatman tomorrow. Yeah. And <laughs> we're going to make this work. Because that's where the real... I mean... The real challenge of the game comes into what was the dude from Ferris Bueller's Day Off? The principal, uh, uh, oh, Jeff, sh- Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey Jones. Yeah. If you can guess Jeffrey Jones is net worth million dollars net worth, you got you got to like people will know who he is. If I say principal of Ferris Bueller, they'll be like, oh fuck that guy. Oh. Oh that guy. Mm. What's his name? Mm. Uh, got to calculate. Got to calculate the, <laughs> yeah. the bail that he had to pay. Yeah. Hold on one second. Hold on. Okay. Million dollars. <laughs> That's it. And uh, what was his name for the extra price? I think that might be it. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Because 
And then there's a level of yeah, just a level of competition between the four contestants, you know. I think so. There's some, I like the idea of a range. Like Yeah. Every question is a tier that allows you if I if I can get it right off the bat, if I'm like the assistant linebackers coach from the T V series coach. Oh. And I'm like, Oh, that's Dauber. Oh. I Dauber was also Patrick. I bet he's doing well. Ten million dollars. And then I don't touch it. And then it goes through and I'm right. Versus the person that's frantically turning it around like, I don't know. Because you have to make a guess every time. You okay. I think I got it. I think I got it. I okay. think I got it. Okay. By the way, so, no one can steal us. <laughs> so it's like a it's like a pyramid. Not a pyramid. It's like it's a, a scheme. Like a, like a funnel. Okay. Yeah. So trickle down. Here I am. I've got my, my, my dial, right? And my dial, and it's a ranged dial. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes from like 1 million to 100 million. And I mean, the, fir- the, the first question happens. Season one. The first question happens. The first, hint, I'm sorry, the first hint happens. And I've got to put my dial, which is a pretty wide dial, like my $20 million dial. I really range. like your dial idea, by the way. Just my so $20 million range, I've got to put it to where it needs to go. Increments of 10. I think you got $10 million increments. No, because it's a, it's, a, it's a wider range. Okay, I'll let at, you explain. At, be- at the beginning. Okay. Sorry. Okay. And you've got your three contestants. And... Okay, and are you locked in? You're locked in. And Judith over there, you are not within the range of this celebrity's net worth, so you're out. Okay, now we're down to Kyle and Steve. Kyle and Steve, then your next hint is he was also played against Rob Lowe in The Stand, the 1995 lock in your net worth. And the the net worth got smaller. Mm -hmm. That network. Okay, all right, and you're locked in. Gotcha. And then... Got down to last hint, and that's when they say, "Okay, last hint." The only problem, the only problem I'd see with that would be if no one was within the range, within your twenty million. And then nobody gets the nobody gets the point. And you just move on. And you just move on. We're gonna blow through celebrities, but anyway, I mean, there's a lot of listen. We're talking about we're talking about. I gotta keep looking at his name up on the screen, Bill Fagerbaki. I mean, I know him. Yeah. Like in my heart of hearts, yeah. he's from California. I read his IMDb bio. <laughs> <laughs> I know we got a lot, but let's. We're thinking thirty seasons here. Thirty seasons in the movie. I think there's enough uh, celebrities. I like that. I like that. I like that. It's definitely going to take more little troubleshooting, but it's not a bad, not a bad approach. I'm just because I like that. I like that elimination tier. I, I, I'm I'm thinking of a way to milk per celebrity, and so if we take that's what I would do with leaving. The frantic nature of someone changing every time. So maybe, I mean, like, if we're th- if we get like twenty seconds after each hint, mm-hmm. that's ch- I mean, so we're talking so thirty. I mean, twenty. Okay, and you've got. But 10 then seconds. it's a cat, cat and mouse game with what I'm explaining of like, if if I know Bill Vagerbaki off the top of my head, and I set it to ten million because I've studied celebrity net worth and I remember this little thing. Yeah. If I set it there and then I don't touch it. And I don't touch it, and I don't touch it for the other two clues. Sure. Then there's I get the most points. There's, some, there's something. There's a gamesmanship there. That I like the, how the, the person that gets narrow. And I like that too. And I like that too. Maybe. Hold on. We're spitballing. We're spitballing. This We're is, figuring this out. We're workshopping this real hard. We are because let's be honest, this is a really good idea. Okay. So how about after every 
clue, you're not eliminated, but the range does change. So even if you are confident, oh. if you're confident and you set it to this, you're like, okay, cool. I know it's Dan Fog or Bill Fogerbaki. Yeah, absolutely. It's $10 million. And then the range changes and you're like, oh, shit. Now I have yeah, to decide. I mean, yeah, yeah. You're not necessarily eliminated, but you have to make a choice. Your, your range becomes a sliver. Yep. And if you're if you're out of it, you know you have to make a you know you have to move. Yeah. You know. Right. Right. Okay. Cool. We got this. Nailed uh, it down. Uh, nailed it down. We'll, I'll build this set tomorrow. Cool. And uh, we'll find a charismatic coast. And at the end of the day, this could be a podcast. Let's get it. And no one steal our fucking idea. Don't even fucking think about it, <laughs> Janet.